What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. The Chairshot.com, always use your head. And we are recording here on Super Bowl Sunday, but because we're nerds. Only some of us care about the Super Bowl. Okay, that's that's not even true. I think all of us have a moderate interest in at least the cultural phenomenon that is watching football for like seven hours because it's it's the WrestleMania of, of sports. I am joined this week by Mr. PC Tunney himself, the live studio audience. Welcome back. How are you feeling oh. about the Super Bowl? Who's winning it? Uh, the viewers of the halftime show, that's who's winning this week, this, uh, this day. So 50 something year old men. That's, and that's watch out for, uh, watch out for a hologram of Tupac performing with Dre and Snoop on stage. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all. Returning for now his third engagement. He's damn near a regular, the violent, I like, I like your Twitter handle. So the violent gentleman himself, Aesop Mitchell, how are you, sir? Welcome back. Plus, we can't have too many Daves on the show. We already, like, I, I think Aesop works better. So, welcome That's back. Yeah. Happy to be back. This is going to be uh, another fun one. I, I'm looking forward to uh, our trailers. I'm looking forward to our, our Odd Project Volume 2. And uh, I am definitely looking forward to that Super Bowl halftime show. Favorite, favorite prop bet of the weekend is yes, who starts we'll, it off. Oh, mine is we'll smoke, will Snoop smoke on stage. Minus one that one's good five. too. That one's definitely like, good. How, how is how is that even a question? 
Watch it. Like, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. And then, of course, we do have the lawyer as well, David Ungar, today. David, are you there? Or did Skype eat itself again? Oh, I'm here. I'm sure the video. He's just frozen. Yeah, the video is frozen again. So, you know. Uh, just entertaining one of my friends telling me the commanders are Super Bowl bound next year and trying not to laugh. Too, <laughs> too much at him for that. But Hope springs eternal. Now, that is the bandwagon this week. You may have noticed that we are without one Reverend Raymond S. Cashington Esquire, the 74th. See, Ray, even when you're gone, they're disappointed that you're gone, and and that's okay. So, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be the four of us today. And as Aesop kind of ran down, we are we have a loaded trailer park, a bunch of stuff dropped in terms of trailers this week, and it felt like that was really where we should talk. We're gonna not do nerd news around the nerdosphere and go into part two of the op project which this week after a vote on patrick's pitch by ray and aesop resulted in being sports movies so sports movies of the first decade 2000 to 2009 and to this this week and i'll talk about it a little bit more that sad feeling when a movie you thought of was either 2010 or 1999 that seemed to happen to me a couple of times working <laughs> on this list dave you talked about having trouble putting together this list. So it's it's been it's been a trip and and a half. But before we get into any of any of that, we're gonna we're gonna go to the trailer park. That's where we're gonna start. And so we're gonna we're gonna take a moment here to kick on some banjo music. Once that has played, we wander on into the trailer park where, guys, I, I, I struggled as to where to start with the plethora of things that dropped basically within the last three or four days of the week. But I started. I decided to start with what I think is going to be the worst film. <laughs> Just my initial impressions are that this doesn't this, this doesn't bode well, and that is the trailer drop for Jurassic World Dominion or. Or as I saw somebody else put it, all of the nostalgia plus the nostalgia. Oh, Dave I, hated it so much he left. Dave is having all kinds of trouble. So we I, are on the tenuous, like, God, let's hope that Patrick's recording makes it to the end of the show. I uh, I think I've been out since, like, halfway through watching the second one. I was like, yeah, the first one was good. I think I'm done now. Oh, I, I like the second one. Obviously, the third one is where it really fell off. And l- l- the first Jurassic World wasn't horrid. It was fine, but it definitely did not capture the same level of imagination and uh, whimsy that like Jurassic Park had. This new one is just is just desperation. It screams desperation. Uh, I like I, I put it 
all over my social media is it's like, how do you save a struggling fan franchise? And that is fan service nostalgia. That is the only reason why they have Sam Neill and Laura Dern. And it's just bad. Even even some of the dinosaurs that are making appearances are like throwback nostalgia fan servicey things like the frilly dinosaur that poisoned Nedry and the original one. And it's it's funny you were talking about halfway through the second one. And Tony, I'm assuming you're referring to the original trilogy or are you talking like the second of the Jurassic no, World trilogy? No, the original trilogy. Right. The third one was so beset by problems uh, in filming that the end is this cockney like half-assed finish that they just tacked on there because they ran out of money. Like they literally ran out of money. And so it's like, okay, get off the island. The end. Which is crazy because it's Jurassic Park. You think think, like they would definitely give them some extra money to do a proper uh, finish, right? um, Was that the one with William H. Macy in it? Or yes. was that yes with uh, William H Macy and Tia Leone as the as the couple that like their, their goes child. and rescues their son right it's it's ludicrous and they brought back uh, Sam Neill who is too good of an actor to be drugged back into these movies over and over and over again well they did Guys, the same thing with Laura in the movie they brought her back for a hot second because she was like well, she I don't want to be a part of this yet yeah, she, she must be desperate table, right. Come back for Dominion. Right. Uh, And so we'll we'll have to see how that goes. But yeah, it's just dinosaurs now roam the earth. Jeff Goldblum's voice was in the trailer as well. I don't know if that means that Jeff Goldblum is in the movie. He showed him. He showed him a couple times. Oh, okay. I must have have blocked out. Um, The the world, according to Jeff Goldblum, is a decent little series on Disney Plus BT dub. Right. And, uh, yeah, I just uh I don't know. My my bar is set awful low. Here's here's the problem. I'm probably gonna give this movie money. You know why? Because of the little O'Dowd. Because I have a ten year old little O'Dowd, I win. Little O'Dowd, who might be like, I'm in. Good night, everybody. Right. He he'll be here all week. Okay, well let's let's shift away from movies that we're not interested in seeing and let's talk about at least a movie I'm interested in seeing. Hopefully others are too. This one, the little doubt isn't interested in, which I find funny because it's an animated film, but we got a full trailer for Lightyear. We had gotten a, tr- we'd gotten a teaser trailer uh, about a month or so ago of Lightyear. This one is a full on um, two and a half minute trailer with uh, Chris Evans voicing Buzz Lightyear. And we get a lot, we get a much bigger glimpse into what this story is going to be and the origin story of the person behind the doll. And so as I sit here and stare at what appears to be an abandoned sky roof with Dave, 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 are you here? Can you hear us? Do you read us? I can hear you. I don't know if you guys can hear me, but I'm listening to everything you say. All right. Were you able to hear us the whole time we were talking about your frozen head? Uh, no, I, I heard all the Jurassic <laughs> world, Jurassic dominion, whatever that conversation with dinosaurs running the world. I will say I've seen stuff with Jeff Goldblum is actually in the movie. So, um, I think a, a stop had mentioned that. So he's in it. It's the original big three. Right. So here's what I can, here's what I can figure is happening. Whatever's going on is only impacting your 
your video, not your audio. It seems like you're able to talk to us. So I don't think you have to keep leaving and coming back. I think we'll, we'll just muddy through and I'll, I'll call on you, which is great for a list show because that's how this works anyway for, for the most part. But we just shifted over to Lightyear. Did you have a chance to check out the Lightyear trailer? Yeah, I think I was the one who shared it, actually. So I did I did get a chance to watch it. I know. You want my kitten, don't I you? I want credit. I, I need all the accolades I can get today, man. I'll give it to you. That's fair. Only because your your Skype is having some issues. All the, the studio audience is applauding you. Um, here's the thing. It looks like a fun Pixar movie. Don't know what to make of it quite yet. Looks like, and it's got the and the robot cat, which reminded me an awful lot of the dog Doug from Up, uh, especially when they go into like light speed or whatever, and the cat gets thrown around and it's like, I don't like this and don't want it to happen again. It, it very much reminded me uh, of Doug from Up, but the the white note the white noise bit they did at the end definitely made me laugh out loud. Tony, did you watch the Lightyear trailer? Your microphone is above. I did. I did. I did. I did. I did watch it. I'm not uh, very interested in it. I don't know. It's not Tim Allen. Sorry. I, I'm in the same boat as PC, though. As For as much as I am a, a Pixar lover, I am not super intrigued by this movie. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's too much of a dramatic like retelling of the character, right? And like the, They showed silhouettes of Zerg. You know, throughout as well. And I do not like this, like, biomechanical monster that they have made for him. That was like half the fun of Zerg in Toy Story 2 was kind of this uh, this random, like, emperor, you know, feeling. No, Emperor Zerg. I mean, he was an emperor. And, yeah, and now it's like gone. Now he's become like more like Hopper in Bugs Life. You know, this big entity. I, I'm... I won't say that I'm out completely and I will 100% see this movie in theaters, but I don't have as high a hopes as everyone else. Huh. I mean, don't worry. Disney plus is going to do them dirty and just put it on for free with your no Disney kidding. <laughs> hey, look, somebody who agrees with me. I would rather see turning red before I see light year. Turning red looks more interesting. Thank you. Thank you. It's what Pixar does well. That's all I needed to hear. There you have it. Suck it, Ray. All right. <laughs> we got we got kind of heated over the over the Pixar Disney Plus thing uh, a few weeks back. So it's it's Ray don't know. get it. It's fine. That's right. Yeah, Ray don't know. Um, what I do know is that this in March on Netflix, I'm going to be checking out the Adam Project, this Ryan Reynolds led vehicle uh, about uh a, a man going back in time and meeting himself as a child and real strong ET vibes uh, in this trailer uh, of the little kid in the woods uh, after the ship crash lands. There's definitely something to do with his mother and father getting separated, um, divorced uh, or no dad died is, is what I'm assuming it is. Uh, Jennifer Garner plays mom. Mark Ruffalo plays dad. And I don't know, it felt very Steven Spielberg, though, in sort of feel, at least, like I said, like very E.T. Where And I thought it was really cool the way they showed the kid figuring out that Ryan Reynolds was him in the future. Uh, 
Well, so we'll start uh, this time. We'll start with we'll start with you, Aesop. What did you think? I'm gonna actually let you start on the next two trailers because I know you're really excited about the the last one. But um, what did you think of the Adam Project uh, and and this concept and the story? I don't really know what he's trying to fix. That's what that's what's really interesting is we don't know. Yeah, it's, it's more of a teaser than anything. Right, but um, it's three. It's a teaser. I, I you know what? I'm for it. It's got a cast that I can get behind. Right, Mark Ruffalo, Ryan Reynolds. What the hell else do you want, really? Those are, you know, some A-list, uh, A-listers altogether. Again, I don't know much. I don't know what to think of it. I, I, I kind of have a similar feeling to what Lightyear did, where I don't know enough to really get anything, except I have more promise in this Adam Project trailer than I did in Lightyear. That's fair. Like I said, I, I I really got a big Steven Spielberg vibe out of it. Dave, did you? What did you think of the Adam Project trailer? Yeah, I, I liked it. You know, Ryan Reynolds rules the world. I think that's pretty evident by now, and uh, everything he does turns to gold. This had a like, yeah, it's got ET, but there's a real Back to the Future kind of feel going on with this trailer as well, as far as like the space time continuum and just how much we can mess with that to do a few things here and there and the repercussions of that. Cause it, it's, it's, it's great when he comes back, he says, you know, time travel is a real thing and they start, you know, it seems like they're going to try and um, intervene in certain events that impacted the younger and older versions of themselves. So I thought for a Netflix movie that this has definitely got me intrigued. Um, it, you know, anything with Ryan Reynolds at this point, you know, I just look at free guy, red notice, everything like that. It's like the guy's on fire. I'm in. I want to see it. Uh, I'm going to go on record and and say how much I hated Red Notice. Red Notice was not good. It was dumb. Sorry, but Free Guy was great. Hey, check check out the Red Notice uh, nerd review and see how Patrick O'Dowd felt about it because he was the East German judge, I think, on that one too. Tony, when are you what, what about this one? I, I I like a good story, and so far the stuff we've been reviewing hasn't been telling a good story. Like I I don't know. It's like so we're going to talk Tony, to the season finale of Boba Fett today. Is that what we're doing? Uh, we're going to let we're going to let Tony we're going to let Tony give his opinion on this latest trailer, The Adam Project, so that we don't go down that book of Boba Fett rabbit hole, or I'm sorry, the book of Mandalorian Fett um, down that rabbit hole. Anyway, Tony, go ahead. I'm not really looking forward to this movie. <laughs> oh my gosh, man! What what are you looking forward to? Why are you on this show, sir? To talk about he has gone on record. This is the whole reason why he asks me to come on. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I'm just not looking. I don't know. I just listen. I. It looks like it could be okay. Am I going to watch it? No. There's so much to watch. You really have to be high up on my list to be wasting my time with me, you know, sitting down for an hour and a half to two hours. Wow. Just, uh, you know what? You've earned this. Um, You have. Hopefully you're going to get geeked out about something before the end of this show. I I think you will. Let's geek out you, Aesop, though, because you're the one who messaged us today. We're like, can we add a trailer? As Jordan Peele, his newest written and directed by film is coming soon. I do believe in July, July 22nd. Yes. Is what I saw. And titled simply Nope. And again, this is a teaser where I I don't know what the fuck is going on. 
Um, aliens, Patrick. Aliens. Aliens are, are are part of it. Yes, but something to do with like, like nothing is an accident. Like like in in like a trailer like this, just like in Get Out. Nothing is an accident. Nothing was an accident in um, the or not the others. What was it called? Us. Us. Um, nothing is an accident in these films and in these trailers. And so when a film opens talking about the first motion picture and who that is and what that was, you know, it's important. And so that's the thing. I'm like, what? Where is the allegory going to be? What is the allegory? Because. If there's something that is that makes Peel great in the work that he's done, is that everything has a purpose, everything has a meaning, and everything has a message. It and this yeah. one just is going to go down a major rabbit hole. Uh, I I feel it. Uh, I think that there was a lot left unspoken from us that people were not buying into. And I watched that movie. I, I can't even tell how many times. Probably fifteen to twenty times. And I'm still like, I need to go on the the us forums and just like break it down. And I'm, I'm already ready to go on some like forums to talk about this trailer for Nope, bringing back Daniel Kalua, who is so fantastic under Peel's direction in get out. And now you got uh, what is that? Kiki Palmer, right? Uh, so, yeah. side of him. And the thing that I, I think I'm very intrigued about is the fact that in the trailer, for the most part, it's set in daylight. And that to me is great when you can have this horror movie set during the day and not kind of have a a semi crutch right Uh, under like the moon night, moonlight and stuff like that. That makes these movies have so much more tension. And I am I I said it like crazy. I'm a major Peel fanboy. I love everything that he touches. I loved the Candyman reboot, even though a lot of people didn't. And I think there was a lot of, uh, again, a lot more to that that people just did not see. And this movie, this movie is really going to be good to me. I'm already excited and like have marked my calendar. I'm going to get a ticket and see it opening night. Very nice. It's. I like that you talked about like daylight and the way horror can use daylight because midsummer. Part of what makes midsummer all messed up is that it's all. It's very bright. Like everything yeah. is bright middle of the day, and actually in in many ways makes it more horrifying because it's just there to see. All right, Tony, are you not watching this one too? Probably not. <laughs> Damn it! He's on a roll, everybody. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Just kidding. Um, that was supposed to be this. Someone's going to fill Ray's spot. Well, and here's the thing is the touchpad being a little more touchy than usual today. Dave, did you want, are you, are you skipping this one too? Or are you going to, are you going to line up to see Jordan Peele? I don't know. I did watch the trailer though, because any if Aesop's recommending it, it's worth checking out. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to figure out exactly. I know aliens; that's the obvious, easy answer. But it seems like there's something bigger going on with that with this uh, movie. So it, it, it has me interested. I, I like the title "Nope" because it's basically just people looking at shit going on, going "Nope, I'm out of here." Uh, so it's it's um it, it perked my interest for sure. I'm not gonna be All like right. I'm not gonna be like Tony. I'm not even sure why Tony's here. <laughs> Tony just doesn't <laughs> care. You know? Guys, relax. Because we're something to the Super Bowl. We're gonna bring Tony back into the fold. I'm sure 
with this last one because DC did put out uh, what I've, I what I describe as a sizzle reel of their summer upcoming hero projects as it was like everyone needs a hero or something was was the name of this video and it it basically is snippets of the Batman, Black Adam, the next and the next the next Aquaman flat, flick and uh, the Flash. So one trailer four heroes and i've said this before and i'm going to say it again regardless of how you feel about the dc universe and their film projects and everybody on this call knows that i am highly critical of the dc film franchises because i do not feel like they've made good superhero movies more often than not they know how to put together a trailer to get you excited for films like, this is a banger trailer. This like, was great. Like, like I, I sat there and watched it, and just the way, the use of music, the, the snippets that you see, uh, probably actually the most, it's going to sound funny, but the part that made me go like, ooh, was my first look at Hawkman with the wings unfurled and all that. I was like, oh, and then Dr. Fate. Like, it was the extra characters. Con- Connor was like, is that the Atom? And I was like, yeah, that's that's Adam the Smasher. Episode. Yeah. Oh, Adam Smasher. Sorry. Yeah. I, I I don't know DC well enough to know the difference. Um, and so but with the trailer, I'm like, yeah, that that shit looks dope. And DC does this a lot. They make trailers that look dope. I'm looking at you, Batman versus Superman. And Wonder Woman I'm, 1984. Right. But I'm going to hand anything to do with the Snyderverse. Um, but now <laughs> I'm going to hand this over to to the, to the rest of this panel, and we'll we'll start with Dave. Uh, they got to prove it because they really they they they're known for good trailers. They're not known for great movies. They got to show me, and I, I really am in a show me mode. Uh, again, the little of doubt is going to make me see at least the Flash movie. Um, so like they're, they're like I got no choice in that one. That kid is all flash all the time. Um, but outside of that, show me, Dave. I know you're in. So oh, I'm so in. You wouldn't believe it. I think that all four of these movies that they showed have the potential to be really excellent. You know, I think once once you get, I think we've all got to the point now where we've resigned ourselves to the fact that DC does not give a flying shit about continuity. I mean, this is the same company that's killing off the Justice League in the comics right now. So they don't give two fucks about continuity. They're all about making individual movies that stand on their own and tell a good story on their own. And as soon as people get to the point, and it's taken me a long time to accept that, okay, they're just not going to do what Marvel's doing. And you know what? At this point, that's okay. I think Batman is going to be a tremendous movie. Uh, Black Adam has the potential to be excellent. The Flash is going to be tricky, but has the potential to be uh, universe changing. Aquaman 2, eh, you know, that that's that's going to be a little bit tougher. But I think out of the, the four that they showed, Black Adam and Batman, especially you're bringing in Hawkman, you're bringing in you're bringing in Dr. Fate, you're bringing in the Justice Society of America, probably. I think that those you know, nothing I saw in these trailers made me go, oh, wow, I'm really concerned. In fact, it's the opposite. I'm very hopeful about what we're going to get this year from DC. So, you know, to steal from Superman, put the S on your chest. It's a symbol for hope. That's really what I think this trailer was about. It makes you hopeful that they've got 
some stuff coming this year that might surprise you and, and might be really, really good. I mean, it's not going to be Doctor Strange levels. At least we don't think so. But you never know. So I, I, I dug the, the, the TV spot and everything that was in it. Tony, get in there. Yeah, definitely looking forward to all of this. I mean, even Aquaman 2, like Dave said, is probably the last on everyone's list. But at the same time, hopefully they can do a little bit better than they did beforehand. I Obviously, like Dave, I kind of echo everything you said. Flash is the tricky one, right? Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, for me, it's always going to be <laughs> the TV Flash, who I compare everyone to. But... Uh, I'm looking forward to more of these stories being told. It's that's always a good thing. This is definitely something I'll be tuning in for, maybe even going to the theater for and in, in some wow. cases. Wow. So. Look at that. I know, right? Um hopefully I they to, do I went I saw I saw No Way Home in the theater, ASAP. Leave me alone. <laughs> You're gonna go see Batman in the theaters, aren't you? I mean the pandemic's over. Yes, you don't March, give a, you don't give a March shit. March fourth. I'm there with March fourth. I'll probably go the Tuesday after whenever I'm off during the week. That's fair. Aesop, your thought on this sizzle reel? Uh, well, I have gone on multiple accounts uh, stating that I think the Batman is going to be a better film than the Dark Knight. I really feel good about this. I like where they are going with it. I like the way that it's shot. Um, I am very excited for Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. I think the what they portrayed so far in this mini uh, teaser reel, it would, would you call it a scissor reel, scissor is, reel. A, is enough to get me very excited for him. Uh, Aldous Hodge's Hawkman is very cool. I love Aldous Hodge. And anything that he does, I tend to watch. So giving me some of that, I I need to know where they go with this one, too. I know this is like this seems like a, a cliche and you know some cheap way out, but... I need to know the villains of these things real, real bad. And if I can figure that out, then uh, I will have a better understanding on where DC wants to go going forward. This feels like a step in the right direction, though, for DC and their cinematic universe. So hopefully I can be happy, right? Because we have a lot more to expect in, you know, 2023 and on, right? With a, Blue Beetle, I, I know, is in the works, and there was one other one that I can't think of. But hopefully they can do better than w- what they have been, because talk about a letdown with 1984. I was so disappointed with that damn movie, and I had such high hopes, so hopefully they don't do it again. And this is why I, that's why I say show me, because it, it really has been one of those things where I've been... Like I've I've just between and I'm gonna go back there between Star Wars trailers that have looked amazing and turned out terrible movies to DC trailers that have looked amazing and turned out terrible movies. I, I gotta see it and I'll be on this show and admit if I'm wrong or if I feel I'm wrong. Uh, for as much as people give me a hard time about being argumentative when I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. But We'll have to we'll have to wait and see because for me it's it's been a rocky road for the DC Cinematic Universe. All right, that's going to do it for the trailer park. And when we come back, we are going to get to the meat of this episode. That's right, the Ot Project Week Two Sports Films. Very excited about this category. Looking to f- forward to hearing what these guys have picked. 
You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right, welcome back, everyone, and we are ready to kick off part two of the Op Project. This week, as decided on by Aesop and Ray, we are doing the top 10, our top 10 sports films from 2000 to 2009. Gentlemen, this list was tough for me to make because my list was awful limited. Uh, And there were a couple of films that I thought of that I thought were made during this decade that just weren't. They were either just before or just after. And I did leave two comedies off that aren't even going to make my comedy list. But the only way they were going to make any list was if they made it onto my sports list. Uh, And so with apologies to the replacements and semi-pro, not on my list. We'll call those my honorable mentions. Uh, as we usually do before we get to it, let's talk about this a little bit. Because Dave, I'm going to start with you. You said you struggled. Well, struggle was real. Why was the struggle so real for you with with this list? I felt like I just like getting to ten was difficult for me because I hadn't seen. I, I think like this decade was more in the realm of sci-fi and fantasy. I spent a lot of time with Lord of the Rings, a lot of time with Harry Potter. Chronicles of Narnia, things like that, like you guys discussed last week, which I was depressed that I missed the show last week. But all that aside, you know, superhero movies became a big deal around 2008, 2005 for Batman Begins. So I didn't see it felt like when I was looking at lists and doing research, it's like I haven't seen a lot of these. Um, So I scrambled this week and watched quite a few that I hadn't seen before that I knew I always wanted to see. And I'll kind of mention that as we go along. But there were some that I wanted to go back and watch again and just didn't have time for. So for me, it was like, yeah, getting to getting to 10 was a little bit trickier. Um, you just mentioned one that I'm probably going to swap on my list right now that I heard you mention. Like, oh, oh, shit, I for, shit, I forgot about that one. Um, so, you know, that 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 stuff's kind of cool. But I think that was the thing I, I do. This is what I like about these projects. So they make me go and and take the time to say, you know what? I've always wanted to watch that. This is as good a time as any to do that. Uh, so I did get through a few movies that I really enjoyed that I hadn't seen before that I always wanted to that did make the list. So that's kind of where where I was on this. Awesome. That's great. So, Tony, I know we, we heard about your system last uh, last week. Was this an easier or more difficult list for you to work with? Uh, it was it was it was relatively easy. I uh, in in writing movies down that I thought could qualify for the top 10. I ended up with 20. Um, basically hey. going through, I basically go through Wikipedia and f- see all <laughs> the sport, see all the sports movies that were released from 2000 right. through 2009. And then you hit a couple of lists. It, boy, it's hard to find a lot of the top 
sports movies of 2000 to 2009. Trust me, theirs was way harder to find that than last week. There's about a million sci-fi lists with those credentials. So it was um, such a decade. There's some really good movies I have on here that didn't make it my my top 10, but uh, a solid top 20. I have 20 really good movies that I've seen in that decade that are, you could call them sports movies. And Aesop, in our DM chat, when you... um... When I when I asked the question after I think getting in an argument with everybody over the book of Boba Fett again, uh, I then immediately changed the topic to uh, to how's everybody's list coming along. And you said something about being indie-rific. Can you talk to us a little bit about that, or do you want to save it for when we go through? Sure. Our- no, I can I can definitely do that. I had a much harder time with this one. I, I felt confident last week with the sci-fi fantasy because I knew I, I said it in our chat. I knew the top five that I wanted. Right. right? So then I only had to piece together, you know, five other movies. This one, it was a little bit spread out. I had 18, uh, picks altogether and then broke that down. And there are a lot of really strong, uh, sports films from this decade that a lot of people may not have even heard of. Uh, and they, some of them even fell into my honorable mention, something like big fan. Uh, big fan was a, a very fun movie that I don't I didn't put it in because I don't know if it had the same level of impact. Something like Girl Fight from 2000 with Michelle Rodriguez is an excellent movie. And I I also looked at it and the genre of sports films it was. And I you know weighed that up against something that I'm sure a lot of people are going to have. Something like Million Dollar Baby, right? And that one's clearly going to make people's lists. It had to get knocked down. Uh, so I, there's just a lot. And I had I had a lot of struggle, even going into this morning, where I had to kind of weigh my options as well. So it, it's funny because uh, some of the movies you just brought up um, are going to pop up in, in these conversations. I can tell you straight up. I loved, by the way, both you and Tony uh, giving me a hard time when I sent the rundown and having my list on there. It's the only way I'm going to remember it. Uh, didn't look at it. I made sure not to. And that's good. Uh, I'm sure Tony read the whole list this morning when he was at breakfast watching trailers for, for everything. So I hope the breakfast was good. Uh, let's get to it. Same reminder, reminder about the rules. Uh, this week, Tony's going to lead us off, followed by Dave. You, Dave, you're going to fill in the race spot. Aesop here after Dave, and then I will bring up the rear this time around. Hold on. Hold on. I could Asshole. never fill Ray's spot. I just want to say that on the record. Could never do it. <laughs> they, don't, they don't boo you enough. They don't boo you enough to actually fill race spot. So there, there is that. But um, just a reminder, raise your hand if your movie shows up higher on your list from when the person announced it we will do it rotisserie style so i will go twice when i get to my number 10 to do my 10 and my nine and with that and no further ado i hand it over to pc tunny with his number 10 pick now that i think about it maybe uh this should have been numero ocho on my list but it's dodgeball nice so i it wasn't going to make my comedy list at least I don't think it was. I don't know. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm pretty sure I can find 10 comedies better than Dodgeball from that decade. But who knows? Maybe not. Uh, just the fact that ESPN down the road ends up actually, you know, 
leaning into you know being lampooned and and creates the ocho where you can see cable car racing uh cherry pit spitting uh things of that nature so you know uh and that was one of the best april fool's day things ever and i remember it distinctly because we were recording the show and you were watching the ocho while we were recording the show yeah there's some fun stuff that happens there but what a great quotable movie um just a plethora of excellent actors in that movie. I mean, to this day, you can, you know, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. There you go. It's a bold move, Tony. Let's see if it works out for you. <laughs> that movie is so fun. And it, it actually uh, directed got, uh, Jason Bateman's career as well. It also got uh, a game show network, actual dodgeball league yeah. with uh, Al Kaplan doing the tournament refing for that as well, which was a lot of fun. Uh, seeing like those weird teams. I, I love dodgeball. I, I left it off because I think it does make my comedy list. So See, maybe it'll yeah. get double duty. Maybe I'll regret it. I'm not sure. But Ben Stiller is so underrated as the villain in this movie is hilarious. He really is. He's 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 been doing that that dick asshole role for years now. I mean, as far back as Happy Gilmore. Um, it's very just, reminiscent of heavyweights. That, yeah, that's ex- yeah, like the exact same it, character. The camp counselor from heavyweights. Dave, we're going to head to you. It's your number 10, sir. Where did you have for your number 10? My number 10 is uh, quite a bit higher on your list, Patrick, and it's Ali. All right. That is correct. It is higher on my list, which means we move over to Aesop and his number 10. Yeah. Uh, I know that you mentioned it as an honorable mention, but I have the replacements. That's that's the one that Patrick mentioned that just made my list, and it's much higher all of a sudden. And it's, and it's also higher on Tony's list. So wow, um, I, I he's wiry. So we'll we'll get well, back. Well, then that that ends our review of the replacements, I guess. <laughs> Shut up. Um, he's wiry. <laughs> so what you're my telling me is our is best so- offensive weapon is wiry? All right, sorry. <laughs> My number 10 is a movie. I don't know if any of you have even seen it or heard of it. It's an Elijah Wood flick called Green Street Hooligans. Uh, I Back when I was going through a big boondock saints phase and was like trying to absorb anything and everything that took, uh, took place across the pond, I stumbled across this movie about soccer hooliganism uh, in which Elijah Wood plays a um, son of a journalist who is studying journalism at like Harvard or Yale. I can't remember what, but his roommate basically frames him. Uh, he takes the fall for uh, possession of drugs in his dorm and gets kicked out of school. And so he goes across the pond to London to live with his sister, who has married this guy who is known as the general uh, and is the leader of a, uh, Fan, uh, fan of one of Britain's soccer club or former leader. He's gotten out of it, but his brother has kind of taken up the mantle. And this brother takes Elijah Wood under his wing. Elijah Wood gets thrust into this whole other world. It is, it is a gritty. It's depressing um, to watch, uh, and yet at the end, you feel so good for Elijah Wood um, as he comes out the other side of it, a completely different person. Uh, because of his relationship with his with his with his brother-in-law, like his stepbrother-in-law or whatever you want to call it. 
it's it's a great flick. It's an independent flick. It's really worth it um, and worth the time to check out. And I, I highly recommend it. Um, Sop, you nodded. I'm assuming you've seen it. Um, Honorable mention for me. I love Charlie Hunnam in that movie. Uh, yeah. That is very, very fun. Uh, that one is so divisive because I, I have some friends in the UK that despise that movie. And everyone that I talk to about it in the US is like, oh, this movie's great. So I, I find that to be very funny that it's uh, it, I, I think it just doesn't represent the culture as much as it should. When the funny thing is that a lot of my UK friends are like, yeah, that's how it is. But I don't like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so then what the hell are you complaining about? Like, it's an accurate depiction. But yeah, it, it didn't make my list. But uh, it's in my honorable mentions as well. Right, rival groups of fans like going to war with each other over their team, yeah. like really beating the piss out of each other with like two by fours. And you Dodger, know, like, Dodgers and Giants, right? Uh, you know, right. someone that that has that same type of rivalry. Exactly. So great flick, worth the time to check out. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I own it. I actually bought it. I liked it so much. So you have the sequels. I do not have any of the sequels. I just you don't. <laughs> I will avoid that. Noted. My number nine um, was Bend It Like Beckham with a very young Kira Knightley uh, and is a fun. I, I don't know what happened with me in soccer movies or football movies, if you will, uh, this week. But this was a fun little flick about, you know, just culture clashes, um, acceptance um, with within oneself and one's family. And. Um, yeah, I just, it's, it's, it was neat to follow kind of these, you know, you have this upper crust family with Keira Knightley who, who's playing, uh, one star on this football team. And then this young woman who I can't remember who, what her name is, but she, she's a Sikh, she's part of a Sikh family that doesn't want her to play, um, play sports. And part of it is because her father, um, had a bad experience when he was her age trying to be a member of a cricket team, but it's also a, a cultural thing that women don't play sports um, and getting her acceptance and kind of the links that it takes for her to finally be accepted by her family um, to, to play soccer and football. And it's, it's great. It's a, it's a fun little show. It's a relatively harmless show or movie. And uh, that was my number nine. That one has uh, some longstanding pop culture reference to it. Yeah. That was a, a great, pick another one that i had in the honorable mentions but obviously obviously didn't have the same type of ties to my you know life so yeah absolutely so with that it goes to you and your number nine though so if you want to lay that on us i'll go sure. to sure uh my number nine uh i went with blades of glory and, <laughs> uh one of the many memorable movies of the early 2000s starring will ferrell and uh then to bring in an equally recognizable figure from that decade with John Heater made for a very fun ride. Solid secondary cast as well. Amy Poehler, Will Arnett, Craig T. Nelson, Jenna Fisher. Just a story of two rival male solo figure skaters lose that opportunity to perform, but find a technicality that allows them to partner uh, together and skate. Always happy when I see Napoleon Dynamite finding work. So <laughs> Very, very true. Yeah, that, that's my that's my number nine. I was very happy to put that because it definitely wasn't making the comedy list. I hope Benchwarmers doesn't show up on your list. Oh, 
Nice, nice. Well, we'll have to find out. We still got a ways to go. Mr. Ungar, we're to your number nine. What do you got for us? So my number nine is a movie that started high on this list, and then the more stuff I watched, I kept bumping it down because I found I liked other stuff better. But it's uh, it's The Blind Side, the story involving uh, Michael Orr and Sandra Bullock and, you know, cameos from Nick Saban. And, uh, it, it, you know, I it's... <laughs> I don't know how historically accurate it was. I know it got a lot of critical acclaim. I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the story. Um, all I knew about the about Michael Orr before the movie was just a big, dominant offensive guardman for or offensive guard or, or tackle. I forget which one he was, but I know he played for Ray's Ravens. So I'm sure this movie probably got somewhere on Ray's list as well. Uh, but I I just enjoyed the movie. But it started high, and then I just kept bumping it down. It still makes the top ten. But uh, just a fun, good, you know, a lot of the movies on these lists are feel good. A lot of them aren't. And this is one of the feel good entries on the list. So the blind side, number nine for me. Michael Orr has come out and said how much he despises that movie. Yeah. And would never have given them permission if he would have uh, seen it beforehand. I, I find that movie to be. Uh, problematic for me because of that. Right. You know, the source material, it's not. Quite like uh, Stephen King, where you know you, Stephen King can go fuck off, well, you know how he feels about movies. But Sandy won an Oscar for that, didn't she? She yeah, did. She did. She won actress for her portrayal as Mama Tui. Um, I'll tell you what, the Tui family looks like a million bucks coming out of that movie. Just, just it was very interesting. I, I remember enjoying the the Blind Side when it came out. I, I remember. Uh, you know, after the fact, when Michael Orr was like, yo, that's that's not really what went down. This isn't how this, you know, this happened. Because um, he wasn't like, I think the big thing that really upset or was bothersome to him was the the way they portrayed him academically. Like that they just made him dumb as rocks. Yeah. A big part of it. And that he was a smart guy uh, and, and was not nearly as struggling as they made it out to be so i think that was it was always interesting um it's and it's always interesting when like based on true story stuff happens like when when the folks that are involved come out uh and, and give the reply to it tony where do you um and you're number nine sir well shake and bake patrick shake and bake because talladega nights is my number nine sports movie you first, your last uh just once again, another movie, and we're going to start getting away from the comedies as we get higher up on the list. Um, but just another very quotable movie. Just, I think, the beginning of the chemistry between John C. Riley and Will Ferrell. I mean, you keep, you get stepbrothers after that, some other side work they did together. Um, the kids in this movie, they steal the show with their potty mouths and then finally being broken by their grandmother is just a hilarious process inside of this movie. Um, right, driving around. The grandma? The what, uh, no, the oldest kid. Uh, really? He just died this past week, actually. Oh. Wow. Yeah. So, can I confess that I've never seen this movie? Oh, Ooh. It's, it's not a, I mean, that's not, it's not a big deal. There's not so, a lot of substance to it. It's well, funny so, as hell. Yeah, I was going to say, let's ask, the, let's ask the question. Would Patrick O'Dowd enjoy Tally, Talladega Nights? Yeah, I think. Did you like Step Brothers? Did you ever watch Step Brothers with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley? It was good fun. Yeah, it was. I, I, I liked you, it. You would enjoy this movie then. It's, you enjoy it more. Yeah. You'd enjoy it more because of the kids. 
Fair enough. It's interesting now to think about how that uh, John C. Riley and um, Will Ferrell relationship is completely broken, in, in right at the moment over over Showtime. So uh, the show, not the channel. Uh, I hope that they can mend fences because they do make good movies together. Like they, they are a good pairing. Um, your number eight, sir. My number eight, uh, Dave. I don't know how high you have it up on your list, but the replacements is number eight for me. It's it's higher now. Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> Dave, your number eight is next. So yeah, back to you. My number eight is one of the movies that I watched leading up to this project that I actually really, really enjoyed. And I was surprised that I really enjoyed it. It's uh, the world's fastest Indian with Anthony Hopkins. It's uh, the movie about Burt Monroe, the New Zealander who goes to the uh, Bonneville salt flats in the fifties or sixties and sets a land speed record on his super modded out like 1920 Indian scout motorcycle. Uh, it, it's it, this is one that it's a it's a film out of New Zealand, but you know if you got Anthony Hopkins as your lead, you've done something right, and he absolutely crushes this movie. It, it's really good. Burt Monroe is one of these characters that in the movie he just he just has a way of charming everybody into bending over backwards to do stuff for him that you would say no one's going to do that. I mean, cops don't give him tickets. Uh, people let him race when he forgets to register. You know because like I didn't know it's on the other side of the country. Um, it's it's a very good. It is probably the most feel good movie on the list, but it's just it's just an excellent movie. I was really blown away and surprised by how much I enjoyed it. So yeah, check it out. There there there. It has nothing to do. Well, there is one Native American in the movie, but it really has nothing to do with that. It's all about this super modded out crazy ass motorcycle that is. I think he set the land speed record for motorcycles with less than one thousand cc's. Um, at the salt flats. So yeah, fun movie, really good. I highly recommend checking it out. Nice. I love any movie I've never heard of, um, and having an opportunity to check out something new. And usually I'm on the other end of it. Usually I'm telling people watch this. So I think, I think you'd like this one, Pat. I really do. Worthy of a nerd review consideration. Maybe. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that. Um, now that we're outside of the tragedy that is the book of Boba Fett. Uh, right. Hey, so I, I totally forgot about that movie, to be completely honest. I, I'm glad that you mentioned it, Dave. That's awesome. Uh, my number eight is more or less The Replacements, but serious. It's Invincible. No, wonderful. Uh, well, remember when uh, I was going to talk about The Replacements? Well, this is the same Dangon film, except now it's a true story with real NFL players and teams. Marky Mark takes a stab at playing uh, Vince Papale, 30-year-old bartender in Philadelphia who over overcame an underdog story and became the Eagles quarterback in 1976. And one thing sports movies do so much is tell that underdog story, as I'm sure we will continue to see with the rest of our list. And it's always better when we uh, get to tie back these films to our real-life situations. And I think that's something that Invincible does so well. Cinderella story. Here it goes. Wrong decade, oh. wrong movie. Oh, sorry. My, my, my fault. <laughs> now available uh, to watch on Net, uh, Netflix, though, I believe. Hell yeah, it is. So the best improvisation ever. Yeah, I uh, I remember. It. Who was it? Because Dick Vermeil. Somebody plays Dick Vermeil in that. I can't remember who it is, uh, but it was somebody notable. Um, and it's it, it's eluding me. But that's, uh, 
I, I think I saw that in the theater, if I remember correctly. I remember being intrigued enough to to go see it in the theater. Um, not enough, unfortunately, to, to keep it on my list. But it is it is a fine choice and an honorable mention um, as well. My number eight, you mentioned it at the uh, when you were talking about your shows uh, or talking about movies that didn't make your list, Aesop, uh, and that's Big Fan starring Patton Oswalt. Awesome. So many, so many people think of Patton Oswalt as a comedian actor, and th- he, this is a dramatic role for him. Um, and he and he knocks it out of the park as a just a, an obsessive New York Giants fan who is ridiculed. He's mocked. He has a rival Philadelphia Eagle fan that he goes back and forth with. He makes the mistake of with one of his friends following a member of the Giants into like a strip club in New York. And it goes horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. It's, it is. It is harrowing it is it's it's just really great stuff and it shows how good oswald is as an actor uh and and is a fine fine film and deserved all the recognition that it got i think it played at cans uh was definitely one of those it was a festival circuit film and and was really really good and speaks to a lot to sort of obsessive fandom and super fandom and where that can go and in a very different way than Green Street Hooligans, uh, you know, could do it. So that was my number eight. Very thought-provoking uh, sports movie right there, too. And someone that you feel a lot of sympathy for in Patton Oswalt's, uh, what was it, Paul from Staten Island, right? Uh, that's, it, it was a movie that I, I did like. And that one that people definitely did not see that sh- no, people should did- go and look. It did not make bank. It was, it was critically acclaimed, financially bombed. Um, my number seven movie is probably higher on other lists, I can only imagine, and that is Miracle, uh, about the Miracle on Ice, higher on both lists. So we'll go to Sop for his number seven. My seven is Miracle. So we will move on to Dave and his number seven. Uh, my number seven is Coach Carter. The uh, I don't know if that's higher on anybody yeah else's list i absolutely love this movie samuel l jackson uh what a performance of uh, coach kevin carter leading this uh this group of kids from richmond high school to their first ever birth in a, in a state tournament but the basketball is really secondary to everything else that's going on in in the movie about trying to teach these kids who are, are kind of pigeonholed it, it, based on where they're growing up in the city that they're in and the school system that they're in and and putting academics at the forefront and making academics the the you know and he just comes to a big confrontation with the school board with the principal convincing them that you're just sentencing these kids to a life of failure or prison or worse and he takes a stand to the point that he locks the kids out of basketball locks them out of playing games ends up forfeiting games until they can get their collective gpa to a certain level uh takes a lot of balls to do that. I know this is probably not a true story, but based on a true story or something, one of those situations. But I thought Samuel L. Jackson's performance here was just magnificent. Um, the movie's uh, a really good eye opener about, you know, this team coming together, these kids coming together and for just teaching kids that, Hey, there's something bigger going on here. It's not just about basketball, but so many of them went on to accomplish great things in their lives and to break out of that, stereotype that this is the best you can do 
Um, so I, I uh, this movie was uh, resonated really loudly with me. So yeah, Coach Carter, number seven for me. I know Ray had that high up. I called him out uh, <laughs> uh, earlier this week on our uh, in our group chat. So I don't know where he exactly number, placed it, but number seven. He's got it at number seven. Oh, all right. So then maybe it wasn't as high. So but, me and Ray, uh, or me same, and Ray same space. Are, yeah, same spot. Don't forget yeah. another shout out too to Channing Tatum in that movie, who shows that he can actually do serious films. Right. Yeah. Do Do Cowser himself. All right, Mr. Tunney, where do you number, number seven, sir? <clears throat> My number seven is a little movie called Pool Hall Junkies. Have you guys ever seen that one? This is the All second right. movie that I get to add to my things to watch list. This is I, uh, I, Christopher Walken, right? Yes, sir. There's actually a trick shot in this movie that you can learn and use on people at the bar that you can learn in this movie. Um, it stars Mars Callahan. I don't know if a lot of people know who that is. I wouldn't if it wasn't for this movie. But like Aesop said, Christopher Walken is in this movie. Allison Eastwood, Rick Schroeder, Chaz Palminteri. Um, it's basically about a guy who gets trained to be a hustler and then decides he doesn't want to be in pool. And then he gets mixed up with some stuff with his girlfriend. And I believe her uncle is Christopher Walken. And it's just a, it's a fun pool movie. It's probably that decades version of, you know, the, of the hustler and the color of money. I'm not saying it's as Oscar uh, worthy as those two movies were, but if you enjoy a good pool movie, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good watch. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll definitely have to check it. I've never even heard of that movie, so it's a very, very good movie. I, I'm down. All right, All right. My, go ahead, Dave. Up. I was gonna say it's a it's a fun little film, right? And anything with Christopher Walken always gets a, a watch from me. So that it was uh, it was not viewed very well in the public. So another reason why you know you you probably haven't heard of it, right? So that's right. My number, uh, my number six is Miracle, Dave. Yep. Okay. So, Dave, your number six. My number six, I know, is slightly higher on Pat's list, and it is the greatest rugby film ever made, called Invictus. Higher on my list. Yep. All right. Uh, well, my number six, uh, I went with Whip It. Nice. Yeah. Nice. A slightly nice. lesser known film about a slightly lesser known sport, but uh, Whip It gives Elliot Page. Uh, a role as a Texas mit- misfit that finds a way to kind of cope with their misery and monotony of their small town when they discover a roller derby league. And uh, alongside Paige, you got Drew Barrymore, Marsha Gay Harden, Jimmy Fallon, Kristen Wiig, very fun film. And uh, this this movie actually got me really interested in roller derby. Then once I attempted to understand how roller derby works, I quickly backed out of it. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact of how much I like this movie. I mean, I'd, I'd watch roller derby for the gratuitous violence alone that takes place in roller derby. Like, it, But it did. It sprang a little bit of an underground like following because that movie came out. And I remember not long after that, suddenly there was a like I live in Western Massachusetts, like there was like a local Western Massachusetts roller derby group that started having shows. And you could, it was like an independent like you go to like an independent pro wrestling show, pay ten dollars, watching people roller skate and, and knock each other into walls. That was kind of fun. 
And it's very, very similar to pro wrestling uh, in the <laughs> culture itself. Characters, right. You got to You got to have a gimmick. You got to have characters. It was good stuff. All right. My number six uh, was the express. I uh, don't know that anybody has the story of Ernie Davis uh, who succeeded Jim Brown at Syracuse. Uh, Dennis Quaid plays the head coach of the, uh, the Syracuse orange at the time. And, if for no other reason than the story of Ernie Davis, the person, whether you know, regardless of the you know the liberties that are taken, because here's it, we haven't talked about this, but this decade of sports movies was loaded with, um, like, look how bad racism was back in the fifties and sixties and seventies, and we fixed uh-huh. special sports teams or these special people, and Ernie Davis was the first black man to win. <laughs> yeah, right. everything's better now, but um. But the movie itself, the story of Ernie Davis is one of the is is the ultimate what could have been. As he tragically, you know, he passed away so young, right on the cusp of his professional football career. And can you imagine? Is he was as good and in some in some people's minds, it better than Jim Brown at the time. And he got drafted to the Cleveland Browns because no other white owner wanted a black player and they were, the Browns were going to have a backfield of Jim Brown and Ernie Davis. That that's in real life. That's just crazy to imagine because they were both that they were just both that good. And so he died uh, to leukemia, I think, or something like that. Like if I, if I remember correctly, yeah, Uh, I think you're right. And he just, he couldn't like his, you know, who knows what life would have been like today versus where it was signed like back then leukemia was damn near a death sentence and uh and he died very very young it was a very very sad story but hell of an athlete and a great story to be told and i'm glad that somebody made a film of it because i think it's it's a terrific movie i haven't checked it out take the time Dennis Quaid does a fantastic job in that movie right. uh, that- that's the one that i i always remember is how well he did i know it, it's supposed to be centered around ernie davis but uh, damn, I really just buy into Dennis Quaid's character the whole time. Right. So um, so there you have it, everyone. There's our 10 through 6. We're going to take our second commercial break. And when we come back, we'll get you uh, from uh, 5 to 1. Uh, before we go to our recorded commercial, it is my duty to remind you all that if you like what we do here at thechairshot.com, if you love these listicle shows that we're putting out there, if you love sports shows, if you love pro wrestling, we have it all at thechairshot.com. And the best way to keep us going is to head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot and invest in one of our mini t-shirt designs. We have all kinds of things for you to choose from everything from chair shot logos to show shirts like bandwagon nerds to sayings from various programs such as hashtag save tag team wrestling and the like you can get it in your standard style for $19.99 or if you want to feel fancy get something that feels nice on your giblets spend a few dollars more and get it soft style we put out quality content for you each and every day and we can't do that without the support from all of you and so we would love it if you show your support for the brand by heading over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and investing in us and investing in a shirt once again that site prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot when we come back our final five 
in the Ott Project for sports movies. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, everyone. Welcome back. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds in the Op Project. Week two, we're covering sports. We are making great time. We're going to our top five sports movies of the decade, 2000 to 2009, and it is up to me to kick it off with my number five. As you mentioned, Dave, the greatest movie ever made about rugby, maybe ever, I don't know, uh, but it's Invictus, uh, the story of the South African World Cup rugby championship team set in post-apartheid South Africa, Nelson Mandela a newly elected president played by the great Morgan Freeman, Matt Damon as the Dutch born captain of the rugby team. It's an integrated squad and them coming together in the feel good over overcoming the odds. And again, solving all of racism's problems um, to win the uh, rugby world cup for South Africa. Artistic liberties aside, this was a very, very fine film uh, and one that, again, I remember going to see in the theaters, if for no other reason than I wanted to see Morgan Freeman's take uh, on Nelson Mandela, you know, arguably one of the greatest, you know, the greatest world leader of our generation. So that, that that's my thoughts. That's why it was my number five. Yeah, he uh, Morgan Freeman killed it in this movie. I mean, he really, I mean, his portrayal of Nelson Mandela was excellent and it, and it is, I mean, yeah, it, it, you're absolutely right. It's kind of like, Hey, let's solve all of uh, racism's problems. Let's, let's, you know, apartheid's gone. Let's mend the, um, <laughs> centuries of, uh, issues in this country and do it all in the, with the backdrop of the rugby world cup as, you know, the motivating event for, it. but yeah, it, it's a great, you know, it, it's a really, Good underdog story of this team that was just getting hammered, uh, leading into the World Cup, pulling off this big upset against the All Blacks, and and they they actually portrayed that final match pretty accurately. With um, you know, rugby's not the easiest of games to kind of figure out because you want it, you want to compare it to soccer, you want to compare it to American football, but it, it's 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 a tremendous movie. My wife actually sat there and watched it with me the other day, and she really enjoyed it, which is rare that she was going to enjoy a sports movie. So that should tell you all, all you need to know. It, it, it's just uplifting. It's inspiring. And um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. By far the best rugby movie ever. I, uh, I use that movie as reference for South African accents. Um, I, you know, I do a lot of, a lot of performance art around here. And I, I did a, a stage play back in 2011 that required me to do that. So that was my, my point of reference because uh, South African is hard as hell to try to mimic. So uh, I, that movie is great. I, 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 we got like a rugby team in high school, like right at the end of my senior year I didn't join it, but I tried to follow that as well, similar to like Whip It, and that's some confusing shit with all the names 
that each like number has associated to it. It's a wild, wild game and a, a really fun movie. Excellent. Well, thank you. I'm glad that I, I feel validated by number five. Um, and that moves over back to you, Aesop, for your number five, sir. Uh, I have a feeling people are going to be raising their hands on this. My number five is Million Dollar Baby. That's yep. I, f- I felt that uh, was going to happen. <laughs> no worries at all. Dick. Cough button, bro. Sorry, man. <laughs> um, so my number five, I know, is a little bit higher on your list, Patrick. I'm suspecting it's higher on everybody's, but it's uh, it's The Wrestler. Yeah, it's higher on mine. Guys, my, <laughs> my number five is sea biscuit i almost put sea biscuit biscuit on my list i was so close um, i mean I think that's I had, yeah seven academy award nominations uh written and directed by gary ross obviously toby mcguire everybody remembers him jeff bridges elizabeth banks william h macy um it's just a really good movie it's just a really interesting story behind uh, the horse and dealing with the jockey and, and, um, you know, going back to, you know, the, the bike shop that turns into the automobile selling and then all the, all the bad things that happen. And it's just, a, it's a very interesting story. If you don't know the story, you need to go watch the movie cause it's really well done. Um, that's why it's in my top five. Cool. Yeah, I know. I, I enjoyed that movie thoroughly. I think Toby McGuire does terrific. In that film, I think he 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 uh, as the jockey play he he he's the one to me who kind of knocked it out of the park. And his relationship with the horse is is key. Uh, and it's fascinating if you talk to anybody in horse racing, you know, and the, and the way that they talk about those animals and and that they're athletes. And that's very much what you see in this movie is just the way that they. And also, well, look at Secretariat was the other one that I was going to bring up. Like same sure. sort of. Yeah, look at. Uh, what was the list of a hundred greatest athletes that ESPN did so many years ago and secretariat was in the top like 10 or something like that. Right. Exactly. So it's not an accident. Um, and yeah. And so now we're heading into your, your number four as we turn the corner. So an honorable mention, one of my honorable mentions was the legend of bagger Vance with Will Smith and Matt Damon, which is a very entertaining movie. Okay. Charlie's there on, but the golf movie from that decade that makes my list is the greatest game ever played with Shia LaBeouf. Um, where he plays the friend, the young Frenchman who wins the the uh, the U.S. Open against his you know longtime uh, fabled uh, hero Harry Varden, the evil Englishman. Um, this is actually one of the first. This is probably the first golf boom in in the United States uh, because of this victory. So it's a really really good story. It's a really good movie. I always enjoy golf movies, whether they're serious. Or whether they're not, uh, or whether it's Caddyshack, or or, or a, you know a combination of both, like Tin Cup. So, um, very good I was watch. Expecting if, you to put Who's Your Caddy on your list? No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we we started off fun with Dodgeball, Talladega Nights, The Replacements, even Pool Hall Junkies. But now we're talking some some real good uh, sports movies that that have some depth and and some credibility to them. And and this is Ouch. definitely one of them for me. <laughs> No, but I'm saying, you know, you're not just there for the laugh. It's actually about something that's, you know, yeah. behind the sport. So, Excellent. Dave. So my number four is the one that Patrick mentioned that immediately I was like, holy shit, I forgot that. And it jumped into my list and immediately went to number four and it's the replacements. Yeah. Um, Shane Falco. So 
I know this is fictional, but there is an element of realism to this story, especially the team that it's surrounding, which is the Washington Sentinels, which I really thought had a shot of being the new commander's name. But there is an element of truth to this because this is loosely based on the 1987 NFL season when the strike took place. The Washington Redskins at the time brought in the scabs. They went undefeated. Some of the guys crossed the picket line, created problems. Actually, I take that back. This is where it deviates because Joe Gibbs said, no, either the strike's over or nobody's crossing. Whereas when they played Dallas, a bunch of their starters had crossed over and, and the Redskins still won that game. So for me, it has a personal connection, which a lot of the movies in my top four actually have that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's Shane Falco overcoming all the odds. Uh, the Washington Sentinels, just a fun team to, there, there's so much about the movie. Gene Hackman was just absolutely magnificent in this movie. What a, what a stellar performance and just John got, Madden, Pat Summerall. Yeah, exactly. You know? yep. uh, so it's, it's, it's a movie that I can't believe it. it maybe it was going to be on the comedy list. I don't know, but I, once I heard it, I said, nah, that's got to go into sports. Um, number four for me, the replacements. It, I it wanted hits, this movie to be so much higher on my list, but there's so many strong, dramatic uh, sports films in this this decade. This is the type of wholesome content we look for on bandwagon nerds, right? The replacement, the replacements well, is just wholesome, filled. Wholesome content. I mean, I, I don't know about that. I mean, this does hit a lot of stereotypes in addition to a lot of sports cliches, but it, it was describe- sarcasm, <laughs> asshole. You could describe this movie as a fun, though. This is a fun Very watch fun. of a movie. Lots it, of memorable moments. You know, the holding cell lockup dance to I Will Survive. Unique characters with distinct distinct traits and a fun story. I love the replacements, right. even though most people don't. <laughs> I love the movie. Orlando, Orlando Jones leading that uh, in the prison cell. Sure, I was afraid. Man, I was petrified. You look like a, you look like an elephant. You just jacked off an elephant. <laughs> What are you? My, what are you? Favorite, what are you afraid uh, of on the field? You mean like spiders? You know, <laughs> no, not spiders. My one of my favorite uh, gifts is Reese Fonz wearing the the cup and just wagging his dick around in front of the reporter, uh, wearing the helmet and smoking. I love that gift. So, uh, good times, good times. All right, so that Dave, that was your number four. That means we're back to Aesop. Your number four, sir. Yeah. Uh, my number four is Dogtown and the Z-Boys. And I okay. bet none of you expected a documentary to make the list, but voila, here we are. A uh, documentary explores the Zephyr skate team and the rise of skate culture in the 1970s. A uh, basic synopsis is that there was a drought in California and uh, the surfers took their craft to the land. And obviously there's more to it, so feel free, look it up. Uh, then the cherry on top of it all is you have Sean Penn narrating the whole movie, which is oddly satisfying. It seriously was a big influence on my eventual love uh, to skate and even got a biopic uh, after it in the Lords of Dogtown, which not exactly as good, but, uh, you know, I still appreciate it as well. No, yeah, excellent choice. Uh, definitely did not consider documentaries. Uh, I think sometimes a. Uh get a little wrapped up in fiction um my number four uh and i i had a different screen up so i didn't see if other hands up my number four is the wrestler did anybody else have the wrestler higher up okay so that moves to my number three which i also think is going to be higher on other people's lists as it's remember the titans is that yeah higher up on day's list which means we're back to you asop with your number three yeah my number three is sugar 
Yeah, okay, any, yeah. No one's uh, heard of that. It's kind of a hidden gem right here. Uh, Miguel, yeah, Miguel Santos, Dominican pitcher who has the dream that many younger athletes do, uh, which is to make it in the big leagues. But uh, for Santos, it means more to him because he wants to pull himself as well as his family out of poverty and move to the U.S. and finally gets that chance uh, to be in the Major League Baseball player. And, well... Shit happens. Uh, it's a very heavy movie, especially at the end. So be ready for that. But it's on Hulu. So get on that and watch Sugar. Yeah, actually, I, I do. I do like some of our higher ranked movies are kind of a downer uh, <laughs> when it's all said and done. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, Dave you're, you're number three, sir. My number three is to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, well, we're going to skip right do by not, it. Do you not want it to be? Well, it was... no, you mentioned downers. Um, this is higher on your list. It's million dollar baby. So, yep. To Mr. Tunney. All right. My number three is a feel good movie. And we have already talked about Dennis Quaid. And my number three is the rookie. Oh, nice. I, I just really enjoyed that movie. Um, the story behind it, um, I guess being a, a a pitcher growing up playing baseball my entire life and then at some higher levels too, it really hits me there. But I thought they did a great job of telling the story. The fact that, you know, he had his chance and then blew out his arm and now he's gotten past it. And, and the relationship that he has with his team on screen is that coach team relationship is always something that's that's a really nice dynamic to display especially in movie form. So it's, to me, it's, it's a really fun movie to watch. It's a family movie. Obviously you can watch yeah. it with anybody, but it's just a great story. Dude. I, I, I never can get over. I love when Hollywood cast people, um, for like real human beings. And then you like, see the real human being. You're like, you know, like, like dude, this, <laughs> not even close, but the story's great. But you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> it was like interesting. We've had a lot yes. of Dennis Quaid in this uh, this list right here. I did wasn't expecting he, as that he, much. He was, Kev, he was the Kevin Costner of sports movies in the first decade of the 2000s. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> there you go. All right, to me, uh, number two. We're into the top two now. My number two is the wrestler. Okay. Oh well, you know where. So Dave, your number two. Uh, so my number two is Remember the Titans, and. This movie hits this high because great, great movie. Look, because uh, where I grew up, I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia, <laughs> the suburbs, went to a school called Jeb Stewart High School at the time. It's been re since been renamed. I am very familiar with T.C. Williams High School, very familiar with T.C. Williams High School, know a lot about them. So everything that they're doing in this movie is, is stuff that it came a little bit before I could remember what was going on. But um, you know, the integration of that area of the state at that point in time is a massively huge deal. And uh, T.C. Williams became this 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 poster child for integration at the time. And, and and you get to see everything that they go through um, as far as Coach Boone getting these kids to come together as a cohesive unit and being the dominant team that they end up. In. I mean, T.C. Williams still dominates Northern Virginia high school football. So for me, as somebody who grew up there, it was really easy to to relate to a lot of stuff that was going on and just the trials and tribulations that these kids go through as they evolve. And yes, this is another like Invictus. Hey, we solved racism here. Look what we did here. Yeah. In this one little isolated part of Northern Virginia, you solved it 
for a little while. But, you know, the relationship between Julius and, and uh, the one Bertier who ends up getting paralyzed, um, very touching, very powerful sort of relationship, similar to like we're going to talk about with, you know, Maggie and Frankie and Million Dollar Baby soon. Similar sort of relationship under terrible circumstances. So, um, yeah, remember the Titans is just a fantastic movie. Absolutely love it. Young Hayden Penitieri. Uh, I I love the t- her sitting with the other girl, uh, Boone's daughter. I can't remember the young lady who played her. Uh, where she's sitting there trying to explain all this stuff, and finally, Boone's daughter's like, Cheryl, I do not care. It's the best <laughs> stuff ever. Just dynamite. Great. That one was right on that fringe of, you know, at 11 for me. I wanted to put it up there. I just have so many other feelings for the other movies uh, that, you know, eventually made my list. But it, it is really a great movie. Cool. Excellent. All right. So that was Dave. That means it's back to, to you, Aesop, for your number two. two. Yeah. My number two is Cinderella Man. Nice. Uh, more boxing. Uh, Cinderella like Man yeah, left a big mark on me. And I can remember having to watch it in my 11th grade U.S. history class and thinking it really wasn't going to be anything because it's a school reference video, right? Uh, I'll admit I was wrong. And uh, like Patrick said, story of James J. Braddock, washed up boxer in Great Depression, New Jersey, comes out of retirement, out of desperation, becomes the heavyweight champion of the world, much to the surprise of everyone. Another team up of Ron Howard and Russell Crowe leads to a great movie that shares a similar feeling to their first partnership in A Beautiful Mind. And it may not have had the same level of critical response as, you know, Million Dollar Baby, which I'm sure we're going to talk about any second now, but I enjoyed my time more with Cinderella Man, and I think I'm going to watch it again later. Excellent, excellent. Renee Zellweger is in that, right, as his wife? Yes. Very good movie. She does does really well there as well. um, Um, Honorable mention for me, so yeah, right there. Nice. So my number two, I I actually am a, feel a little bad about putting this on here at number two because it really is centered on a, a performance by one actor. And that's Ali, uh, and that's higher on Tony's list, so we'll talk about Will Smith later. Uh, but we will get to my number one. <laughs> Sorry. Way to set the tone, Patrick. Go ahead. What's your number one? Uh. <laughs> What I'm not down. What was it? Dog what is this? Another dances with wolves conversation we're gonna have? No, I put it's number two on my list. You piece of shit. Like <laughs> this, I gotta get out of here at four fifteen, so I'm gonna trick Patrick. All right, my <laughs> one is million dollar baby. Yeah, uh, yes, it rips your guts out at, at the end. Like it just rips your guts out. Uh, but. I, I don't know how much you could say about the work of Clint Eastwood in that movie as a, as a, you know, broken down kind of bitter trainer who, who takes on Hillary Swank, um, who just want, who wants to be a boxer. Uh, and she puts literally leaves her life in the ring, loses her, her life, uh, you know, at, at the end in the ring, because after, after this match, there's like, even if she lives, she's dead. Um, and puts it in his hands to, to finish that. Like, it's like, I'm sitting here, I'm getting emotional just talking about that film. It was so harrowing. I've only watched it one time, 
but it's it's kind of like it's one of those that you only need to right it's like well and it's like i i talked about this when my number one dave, dave talked about this in the 90s project my number one drama was schindler's list uh a movie that i feel like everybody should watch but you only need to watch it one time Requ- requiem for a dream for me falls in that uh, as well like and, you're and god like, baby movie was that like and morgan freeman's in that movie as well and and has a has a has a terrific uh role to play as a supporting actor as well it's just it's it's a wonderful wonderful film and is is terrific you can watch it one time and that's all you need to watch so, so that this, was my number one this is one of the movies i mentioned at the outset that i always wanted to see but hadn't until really like early this morning i was up in the middle of the night and and I watched this movie because I'd always wanted to see it, but been reluctant because I kind of knew, you know, you hear you hear enough about it, you know what's going to happen at the end. And to actually live through those last thirty minutes, um, it, it, it's it's more difficult than you anticipate, you know, because having to go through that with with Frankie and with Maggie, especially the way she gets paralyzed on such a bullshit cheap shot, and just you know the fact that a freak accident happens in the ring that leaves her as a C one C two complete quadriplegic. And, um, it, it's, it's enormously powerful. I mean, it, you could make the argument that they drug out the last 30 minutes a little bit long, you know, which is probably why it's not number one for me, but it's number three. Uh, but boy, what a powerful ending and, and just the, the emotional and moral struggle that Clint goes through reaching the decision to finally, remove the breathing tube and give her that shot that lets her die on her own terms is uh it is you know we throw the word soul crushing around a little bit too easily but the last 20 30 minutes of that movie literally really is soul crushing to watch that so it's i agree with you guys you only need to see it once it's not something you're going to want to go back to and watch over and over because it's too powerful but yeah what a tremendous tremendous movie yeah, this is this is a great movie. Clint Eastwood does a fantastic job performing and directing. This won him the Best Picture Award at the 77th uh, Academy Awards. Netted Eastwood is se- second Best Director Oscar as well. A bunch, uh, a bunch of other nominations. And really, the only reason why I don't rank it higher is because of my unnatural disdain for Hillary Swank. Don't ask me why. I just don't know. It, there's something about her that I don't like. Um, Dude, and I could not convince my wife to watch this because of her dislike for Hillary Swank. I showed her the trailer. I said, she's like, nope, I've got no interest in a boxing movie involving Hillary Swank. So she's there with you, Sop. Yeah, I, I again, I have no clue why I don't. But there's something about her that just bugs the ever living shit out of me, uh, which is why I was uh, so up on the hunt from this past year because she got killed in the movie which was great uh, <laughs> all right well and on that note why don't you uh regale us with your number one choice sir uh yes my number one is the wrestler you know the actual wrestler Shocker! loves the wrestler it's a great no shock here but mickey rourke puts on a performance of a lifetime in this movie especially considering this is a modern retelling and reshaping, really, of the Ganya movie back in the 1970s, which was also a favorite of mine as well. They do everything I've seen in the actual world of my sport. Uh, the hard times of actually trying to retire and going to other ventures 
is a bitch. And the number of guys that have retired and come back and retired and come back, retired and come back. The wrestler has a big impact on my life and hits so close to home for me. So that it's that relatability is why it gets my top spot. And the fact that it's a very well-made movie on top of that certainly helps that it makes the number one. And, and this was a big impact to me before I even became a wrestler. It, it just, it, it's so good. It's so damn good. And Mickey Rourke has tried to, tried to match that, uh, that level of acting and will never achieve it again. No, Darren Aronofsky doesn't make a bad movie, by the way. Like he just doesn't. And 100%. And what, what is what is really interesting to me is I you know I've I've been backstage at, at wrestling shows um, I've been there you know I'm my best friend as we joke all the time is a promoter um, and so I've been there for for shows as they're getting planned and put together and I think the my favorite parts of that movie uh, is the is the very first sort of scene backstage where it shows the guys planning out their matches, talking, talking amongst themselves as to how, what, what they're going to work. What's the story they're going to tell two different guys talking about working the same body part in their, their matches. And then be like, Whoa, 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 whoa. You, you're doing this Well, we wanted to work like we can't. Uh, and that sort of back and forth that like, and, and what he does really well is just sort of showing people, you know, that pull back behind the curtain as to how it all works. And then you get this, this guy, um, that, you know, Randy, the Ram and, and him, like you, you talked about just not being able to find his place because his place has really always been in the ring. And it's one of those great endings where he, he goes back to where, to where he's comfortable and where he wants to be, um, to, to give you that climax. And the other, the only other thing I'll say is for those of you, if you, if you own the film, probably as good a piece of that movie as the, as the movie itself is the roundtable that is part of the special features there with Lex Luger, Greg Valentine, uh, Roddy Piper. Uh, I can't. Uh, I think uh, I can't remember who else is on that that roundtable that that just sort of discusses the film and the accuracies and the extra inaccuracies. And if you can get past Lex Luger and his Jesus talk. Um, it's a really <laughs> good, it's a really good round table as well. And a good supplement to that movie. It was, that it was one, a lot of, it was good. You know, you get, uh, you were getting teary eyed talking about you know, other films, but that, that end point right at, at the end when the crowd is cheering his name and he sees that, you know, Cassidy has left. Right. And Mickey Rourke realizes that the only people that actually like truly loved him were the, the fans of the sport and of, of Ram. It's, it's like every time I see that, I go, God damn it. I can only hope to achieve that. Right. But you know, still have other people love me as well. (laughs) We love you. We love you. You mentioned Cassidy leaving Marissa Tomei's performance in this movie is absolutely, I mean, lights out. So I mean, not just, you know, from her looking at her physically, but just everything she she does in this. What's that? You still get it. Yeah, you still get it. <laughs> exactly. Where's Platt? Where's Platt when we need him? Um, but yeah, <laughs> the movie is great because it's it's a lot about um 
you know, like talking about Million Dollar Baby with Maggie wanting to go out on her own terms, even in a situation where she has no control over anything. This is kind of the same way, Randy wanting to go out on his own terms, even at the risk of his own life, knowing he should not be in this ring. And, you know, and you're never really sure at the end when he comes off the ropes, does he survive? Does he ever leave the ring or is that it for him? Uh, So you never really get that answer and nor do you need it because it's just it's a great story about, you know, it's, it's hard to let go when you've reached that point where you know that it's time to move on, but you really just can't. And I, I love the fact that at the end, you know, damn the consequences. I'm going to do my own thing at the very end. And, and it's a, it's a tremendous story. So yeah, it was what number five. And you know, me? we have, uh, we in the wrestling business have all done that. Now, maybe not to the extent of potentially dying, but um, you know, we have sacrificed many a times on moves that we, there's no reason for us to be doing that. Um, I, I do love this movie. And I also recommend seeing the Ganya movie, uh, like I said, from the seventies, because this is, this gave inspiration to the wrestler, uh, even though it's not the same movie by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, Dave, where do your number one? So my number one is miracle. And, and this is the advantage of being the elder statesman of the group is that you guys were all too young to actually experience the miracle on ice. Whereas I did. And you know, there aren't many places where being the old guy has an advantage. This is one because uh, you know, that moment and being in the super bowl in Pasadena, when Riggins broke that run to give the Redskins their first title, it's a toss up for me as the greatest moment in sports that I've ever experienced. And I thought this movie historically gets a lot of things right. And, and they did a very good job. Kurt Russell's portrayal of Herb Brooks and just the stuff he does, the steps he takes, the system he implements to get these kids to the point where they beat the, I mean, it's like taking a bunch of high school kids, maybe some college kids and having them beat Pat. We do hockey talk, having them beat the Colorado avalanche, you know, it, it, it's, it's comparable to that. And even a bigger miracle because the Soviet hockey team was better than any hockey team that we have out there right now, probably. So it was, uh, the, the movie is tremendous. Um, I love what Kurt Russell did. There's stuff in the movie that, you know, when I, and I didn't even realize it from actually living through this, but when you watch a movie like near the end of the game where, um, Herb Brooks or, or Kurt Russell's talking to, I forget who plays the assistant coach. Um, but he's saying, you know, they're questioning why they're not pulling their goalie. And they're like, because they don't know what to do. And it's it's a moment that I didn't realize until watching Miracle. That's like, yeah, you know, the Russians had never been in the situation where they were trailing at the end. So, you know, and I never thought about it actually watching the game. Like, yeah, why didn't they pull their goalie? Because they didn't know what the hell to do. So it's it's a very historically accurate representation. It's not perfect, obviously, but of uh, one of the greatest things that I've ever experienced or ever witnessed. So, yeah, Miracle hits really hard for me. And that's why it's number one. More underdogs now with more Russians. No bigger so you, under, you know no bigger under, movie. Yeah, no bigger underdogs two, than those kids. Two things I want to say about this. Uh, one, my favorite story out of anything that's talked about with Herb Brooks is um, was it Aruzioni talking to them about Brooks after they won that game and they head into the gold medal game, and he's like, "If you lose this game, you're going to take it to your fucking grave." 
and he's like, you're fucking grave, and then oh, yeah. walks out. And it's just so badass. And you're right, because then, nobody remembers. People forget you had to. They had to beat Finland. They could have not meddled at all and, if they should. And, and they were down. And they and they were down to Finland. Yep. And and ended up beating them. The other thing that I I think that and this is not the movie, but one of my favorite ESPN thirty for thirties is the one that follows the Russian team. Um, oh yeah, tells their story. It's a very very good documentary and shows just how damaging that loss was to them. Uh, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal to, to check out. So check it out. USA, USA, uh, hey, USA. I don't know that there's ever been something that happened in sports that was more made to make a movie of than the United oh, States absolutely. beating Russia and then winning that gold medal. So absolutely. that's a great pick. I had it on the list. And like you said, Kurt Russell did a great job. Mm, Kurt Russell. So good. All right. Before Aesop has an accident on this microphone, Tony, why don't you give everyone your number one, sir? All right. Real quick here, though. Um, Wimbledon is a really good movie with Paul Bettany and um, Kirsten Dunst. Uh, what else is on here? Finding Forrester with um, Sean Connery. Uh, that's, uh, I think we hit everything. Oh, Two for the Money isn't bad either. Um, Al Pacino uh, and uh, All Right. All a right. Knight's Tale. It's about jousting with Heath Ledger. And yeah, so um, Muhammad Ali, the story of Muhammad Ali played by Will Smith, the movie Ali. Will Smith should have won the Academy Award for this movie over Denzel Washington. That has always been my thought. I love the story of Muhammad Ali. I love the interactions that he's had with um, uh, Howard Cosell. I love the fact that they tell the story of him uh, training in the, at the cabin, uh, being, you know, uh, pulled away from boxing and put in jail and everything else for not wanting to go to war, having to lose the title, having to come back. They, they show him going to, um, the fight with Foreman in Africa, uh, which is an excellent, excellent, uh, scene in the movie. I just love the way they told the story. Um, Joe Frazier, the, the gentleman who plays Joe Frazier in this does an excellent job as well. Um, I don't know what you guys think of the movie, but to me, it's just my favorite boxing movie by far. And the performance by Will Smith was deserving and should have won the Oscar. It was uh, it was my number two. Uh, and I, as I said, when I sort of introduced it before, you kind of waved and said, you know, it was your number one. The strength of Will Smith's per, um, performance is can't can't really be understated because you got to think about the position he's in because that is like, like this isn't just any real human being. Like let's, let's use the blind side as if somebody playing Michael or whatever, this is in the echelon of American cultural history, not just sports, but just in America, Muhammad Ali is like a fucking God. And so to, to, to play him, Man, you got to You have to. You, you, you're. That's so much pressure. You got to knock that out of the park. And if you don't, you're never going to be forgiven for it. That's another movie where Will Smith has tried to reclaim that level of acting and has not achieved it. Uh, similar to like what I said with Mickey Rourke, he he wishes he could be uh, Ali level all the time. It's it is his best movie. Yeah, it's it's insane to me um, how great he is, and he you know, and he loses out of the Oscar because the Academy does this thing sometimes where they 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 
give people the Oscar in the wrong year that they should win it. Uh, like Denzel Washington should have won for his work in Man on Fire as opposed to Training Day. Um, and yet here we are. Uh, it's kind of like it was, it was the makeup call. Uh, it's kind of the way that I look at it. So, yeah, excellent, uh, excellent pick, Tony. I, I, yeah, it's a, it's a terrific movie. John Voight There's is so Howard, many. John Voight is Howard Cosell. I mean, wow, yep. he really did a great job in that movie. I, it, but like you guys are saying, Pat, like you're saying, I didn't mean to cut you off, Aesop. Um, no, no, no. You know, um, takes big balls to portray a character as charismatic as Muhammad Ali and, and Will Smith did really well. It's lower on my list just because I know they took some liberties with the history and having lived through, uh, you know, I was young back then, but I remember, you know, a lot about Muhammad Ali, especially the fights with Spinks, which they don't portray in here, but uh, you know, it, it didn't hit as hard with me, but it's still, you cannot take away the performance of Will Smith. Like you guys are saying, he should have won, the uh, Oscar for that. Um, but yeah, great, great choice, guys. There's so many strong boxing movies in this decade. An insane amount of boxing movies. Um, and I, I don't know why it, it makes for such compelling uh, work. And especially when you consider the fact that boxing as a sport itself has you know started to fall once yeah, 2000 hits right but as a movie it's uncomplicated and, and very relatable everybody knows what boxing is not everybody knows how rugby goes or how golf goes or how race car driving goes you know it's just one person versus the other and they're hitting each other in the fucking head right i mean the simplicity well, is beautiful and you look at you look at a lot of these stories outside of ali a lot of them are underdog you know, kind of rising stories like, like, you know, million dollar baby. That's an underdog. Um, Cinderella man, underdog. Hell fucking Rocky fictional account uh, of boxing. It's, it's about an underdog. There, there are other, uh, just about any um, good boxing flip that you see out there is, is somebody, you know, either being washed up or, you know, young and, and trying to make a name and, and kind of overcome odds and that makes for compelling drama. And so that's that's really where I think and it resonates and, and boxing in its history, you know, for for where it is now as a sport, this country has a very deep rooted history in, in boxing. Like it, it was it was the sport for for a long, long time, the twenties, thirties, forties. It's just that that was eighty years ago. So it's a little it's even the nineties. No, right. like I said, go to it's, the it's 2000s. It hits and boxing just falls off the face of the planet. And somebody UFC, UFC took over. UFC. Yeah, go, right. or go to the 80s when you had Leonard Hagler, Hearns, Dr- Pat. Do you think Danger ever got a shot against Thomas Hearns for the welterweight championship? Probably not. I don't even remember. That's from Million Dollar Baby, the kid who always calling out Tommy Hearns for the welterweight championship, and we don't have the heart to tell him that Tommy retired years ago. Right. Um, like I said, I've only seen million dollar baby like one time and, and it's all you need. You're right. But that is going to do it, uh, for this week's run of the odds week two, uh, sports films. Uh, 
As we did that last week, uh, I do want to really quick go over Ray's list since he wasn't here. His honorable mentions were We Are Marshall and Hurricane Season. So a couple of uh, flicks that weren't on anybody's list. Uh, Ray, his number 10 was Miracle. Number 9 was Million Dollar Baby. Number 8 was The Blind Side. 7 was Coach Carter. 6 was Glory Road. Uh, 5 was Ali. 4 was Hardball. 3, Friday Night Lights. 2, the wrestler and number one was remember the Titans Mm -hmm. as we did last week with Patrick's pitch this week, I will leave it up to the panel as to which topic we do next. I drew out of a hat, two of the remaining topics we have family slash animation or in the other end of the spectrum horror. So let's get horror out of the way. I'm shocked. Honey went with horror because I know how much you love it. Let's get it out of the way. I'm cool with um, it. I, I get an acquiescence from Dave Aesop that worked for you. This is one of the best decades for horror. Uh, I'm down with it. All right. So next week we are anticipating Ray Cash being back. So we will probably bring you on later into the show so that you can jump into the, uh, into that conversation for, uh, for the, uh, the art project. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. It's a Super Bowl Sunday. I hope everybody enjoyed the game and you enjoy and you got all the commercials out of it that you hoped for, even though that has long since become sort of a down past time since the dot coms took over. Before we head out the door, he's got a party to get to. Tony, before you head to that party, tell everybody how they can find you on the socials. Find me at PC Tunney on Twitter and Facebook. Please continue to listen to this show every Monday morning on Chairshot Radio Network. You can also find me Thursday mornings for Three Man Weave, Friday mornings for Pot is War, Saturday mornings for DWI Podcast, and every once in a while, Greg DeMarco and I will be doing Chairshot Radio Road to WrestleMania. You can check out the latest episode. Elimination Preview Chamber is up now. Chairshot Radio Network. Always use your head. And this guy is preparing for his next booking, wherever it may be. Aesop, tell us where they can find you out there on the socials. Yeah, sure. Find me on uh, Facebook at Aesop Mitchell, A-E-S-O-P Mitchell. You can also find me on uh, Twitter. I got two different accounts because uh, we get crazy uh, over on the chairshot.com at violent Aesop and at Dave in Cudahy. Also, Please listen to the very fun podcast I do with my brother every yes. week Excellent down the podcast. wire. PC Tony is going to be, be even better us. today. Yeah, even yeah. better today. Uh, <laughs> trust me, we have some big things planned going forward as well. And uh, I, I don't think anyone wants to miss out on how unprofessional we are as sports commentators. So please check us out. All right, and he's off to do a briefing somewhere out there in Southern California. David Ungar, tell him how to find you on the socials. Thinking about finding me in the pool. It's freaking hot out here. Man, what a what a joke. February and 87 mm. degrees. But fuck you, it's-, it's 15 here. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Setting records for heat at the sea. Yeah, I hear SoFi doesn't have air conditioning. I'm like, who came up with that fucking design? But anyway... <laughs> Take your California weather and stick it. All right, go ahead. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. 
All right, and you can follow me out there in the Twitterverse at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Also, make sure you're following the show at Bandwagon Nerds. Nothing fancy about how to spell that. We will have this week's poll up with our top sports films of all time, allowing you to vote. Yeah, hopefully uh, it will be a little more spread out. Lord of the Rings kind of dominated uh, sci-fi and fantasy as well as, as, it, should. as, as it, it should, should. Yes. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see who who's uh who's number one comes out on top with sports films next week we are covering horror that's going to do it for this week's edition of bandwagon nerds on the chair shot radio network part of the chairshot.com now get yourself out of the basement get some sun and get inspired by a sports flick you've been listening to bandwagon nerds Play. You will announce it from right here, from flat on your back. What's my name? What's my name? What's my name? You don't say my name. You don't say my name. I want you all to tell all their aunts and all their uncles and cousins and friends, get to your television set, get to your radio, because I have never wanted to whoop a man so bad. Everybody knows that I am the champ. The crown is a lie. I know it's a lie. Joe Frazier knows it's a lie. And it's time for everybody to stop lying Let's and tell, tell the truth. Let's tell it like it is. With your court and boxing problems, Muhammad, can you get a fight promoted? I would fight Joe Frazier for free in a phone booth in the middle of Times Square if I wasn't broke. I still Muhammad, will. Thank you for calling in. I'll relay that to Joe. And tell Joe I said he is very ugly. Doing. doing my thing. I'm going to work. But, but your, your heart. My heart. <laughs> my heart's still ticking. Yeah, but the doctor That's said. I know what I'm doing. You know, the only place I get hurt is out there. Oh, 
world don't give a shit about me. I'm here. I'm really here. What do you call that? about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.